0: Welcome to Liquid Church Media. The message you're about to enjoy was originally delivered live at Liquid Church. For more content, log on to liquidchurch.com or visit one of our campuses in the New Jersey metro area. liquidchurch.com, where truth is relevant and grace wins.
1: What is work? What is this thing to which we devote most of our waking hours in the prime of our lives? Is it a curse, a punishment, a burden, a responsibility? Why do we work? What is the purpose? To put food on the table, to support our families, to get out of the house, to get rich, to be challenged, to build, to accomplish, to prove oneself, to show the doubters. To achieve, to succeed, to invent, to create, to compete, to conquer, to build wealth, to search for meaning, to leave a legacy, to find identity. But what if there's more? What if we are divinely placed, wherever we are? What if it's about what we can give, not just what we get? What if work is an opportunity to worship our Creator and bring Him glory, not just by the words we say, not just by the quality of our character, but by the excellence of our work? What is work? Work is worship.
2: All right, good morning. It's good to see everyone here at Liquid Church. I know you guys are thinking, like, who's this guy? Uh, well, I'm Richard Lee, and I'm the campus pastor over there in Mountainside. Now, Liquid is a Christian church all across New Jersey. you have got four campuses. So let's say hi to everyone, Morristown, New Brunswick, Nutley, and Mountainside. Good to see all of you guys here. Well, we're concluding our series. It's called Work as Worship. Uh, and it's a time for us to be able to take our Sunday worship in here and to become our worship out there on Monday. We're trying to figure out how do we worship God from Monday to Friday, from 9 to 5. Uh, so particularly today I want to talk about our faith at work really this idea of how do we take our faith and translate that into conversation with our coworkers how do we share our faith with our coworkers now pastor Tim has already talked about in this series about how do we uh, really just lay the foundation of excellence in our jobs because if we're not being excellent in our jobs then they're not going to want to listen to us about anything let alone spiritual advice and so as Christians we need to be excellent in our jobs But today, I want to really talk about how do we actually start to have the conversation? How do we get to the point where we can have the conversation? uh, specifically with our coworkers. Now, I understand that our our, our workplaces can be uh, oftentimes very difficult places to have a a spiritual conversation. I remember many years ago, I was working at the Princeton Review, and there was this IT guy. His name was Ari, uh, and he liked to get up in people's faces and things like that. And when he found out that I was a Christian, he came up to me and he said, how could someone so smart believe something so dumb? I was like, uh, you know, I was forced in a situation where either I was dumb or Christianity was dumb and I really didn't have any sort of way to talk to him about it because we find ourselves in situations like that all the time where our coworkers put us in situations or we find ourselves in a situation where it's very difficult for us to be able to share about our faith. So as a result, you know, let's be honest, as Christians, we end up doing some pretty awkward things, right? Like take this. Uh, This is an actual product that you can buy. It's called the Jelly Bean Prayer. Now, what it is, it's a bag of individually wrapped jelly beans, and there are eight different colors, and each one represents a different thing. So take, for instance, there's a black one. Uh, This black one stands for sin. Not going to eat that one. Um, And then, uh, you know, like the next one is red. Red stands for the blood of Christ. So, you know, it tastes a little like iron, um, but you know, each color <laughs> represents different thing, and it goes on and on. So you know, maybe you leave those in the break room for people, um, and so you're providing them the gospel, but then you're also giving them four percent of their daily value of total har- carbohydrates. So it's like you know, it's like a win-win. Or you take this calendar, right? This is called the Masterpiece uh, Collection. Um, so you know, you got like different uh, things here where uh, you got you got like pictures like this, and you hang it up in your cubicle, and you know, this is, it looks like a bad Bohemian Rhapsody video going on in here, or something like that, Um, you know, but my favorite is actually Mr. November. Um, This one is like Jesus, this is like Jesus saying to you, you know, come to me all you who are weird and awkward, Um, but you know, we do these sorts of things, and you know, the Why do we have to make it so weird and so awkward and and, and, kind of lame, right? Um, I mean, that's what it is. But the question for us today is how do we have the conversation about our faith at work without being so weird? Now, if you're here for the first time, uh, or if you don't consider yourself religious, then, you know, first of all, we're so glad you're here. But really, you're probably sitting there going, great, a message on exactly why I'm not a Christian. It's because they're so weird all the time. But I just want you to know, like, we believe that this stuff is weird as well. And so, (laughs) we're with you on that. But what we want to do today is hopefully by the end of it, you'll recognize that, and you'll agree with me, that there's actually a better way that we can all go about having this conversation. So, I want to just today, I want to flip the script on evangelism. I want us to flip the idea of what we think of as evangelism. Typically, we think of evangelism as bringing people to church. If we could just bring more and more people here, and that this is where the evangelism happens, that, that as people come here. But I want to flip the script, and I want us to start thinking, instead of us bringing people in, we want to actually now think of us as going out. So we want to go from here out into the marketplace and be able to bring the gospel to the people out there. Because it's not the pastors and it's not the missionaries that are going to bring the people in your office or in your school or in your restaurant. They're not going to be the ones to bring your your co-workers to Christ. It's actually going to be you. And so understanding that, we move on to this idea Of faith at work. You guys know Dave Ramsey, right? You guys, uh, we've heard talked about Dave Ramsey before. Dave Ramsey is New York Times bestseller five times over. He's a a host on Fox Business, you know, just very well renowned and very well respected. Listen to what Dave Ramsey has to say about what God is doing in the marketplace.
3: I think it is a huge mistake of evangelical Christians in North America to believe that most ministry happens in a church. My experience is most ministry happens outside the church and especially when people choose to say, I'm going to run my business as under the Lord. I'm going to do my career as under the Lord. I'm going to go into the marketplace and serve and smile and do every action I'm going to do as if it were Jesus that's in charge because he is. And then appropriately with good manners, be willing to share your faith boldly. Now appropriately with good manners means we're not forcing our way in, we're not demanding our right to trumpet Jesus, we're not trying to thump somebody with a Bible, but hey go in there and be excellent and then let people find out that the reason you're excellent, the reason you bring it, the reason you're competitive, the reason you, you work out just a little bit harder than the other guy to be able to get that thing done, the reason you do all of that is because of your faith and then they'll want to know about your faith. That's very winsome, very attractive excellence is an attractive thing in the marketplace. People who win and are successful are attractive things in the marketplace. Go be that and then people will want to know about your Christ. I'm convinced that that'll probably be the next area of revival, is in the marketplace. Marketplace entrepreneurs marketplace business leaders, marketplace uh, employees and team members that are living their faith out with excellence and sharing it are probably doing more ministry right now in North America than churches are.
2: Isn't that fascinating? You know, Ramsey says that he believes that there's more ministry going on in the marketplace than there are in the churches. Do you believe that? Do you believe that you can have more influence in terms of evangelism out in your jobs than you can here in the church? You see, this is what understanding of flipping the script in evangelism means, right? This is us taking what we do in here on Sunday to go and take it out there on Monday. And so recognizing that, uh, you know, there's actually the same sort of script flipping that happens in the New Testament, if you take the book of Luke and the book of Acts, this is actually written uh, by the same guy. His guy's name is Luke. And he wrote one story in two different parts, Luke and Acts. And what's interesting is that you'll see that there's a progression that happens in Luke as Jesus gets closer and closer to Jerusalem. As he's preaching through Luke, he's getting closer and closer to Jerusalem. And then what you see in Acts is a shift. That happens. Look at what it says in Luke chapter 13. It says, Jesus went through the towns and the villages teaching as he made his way to Jerusalem. Now, as he's going to Jerusalem, what's there in, the, in Jerusalem is the temple right? It's the holy place. And what ends up happening is that he ends up dying on a cross in Jerusalem. But look at how the book of Acts starts out, which is the continuation of the story. It says, you'll receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You see, what happens is that Luke is about Jesus approaching Jerusalem. He's getting closer and closer to Jerusalem. So he's walking with the disciples approaching Jerusalem, the holy place. Jesus is focused on the bullseye. So he's bringing his people to the bullseye. And what's the bullseye? The bullseyes, the cross. The cross is the bullseye for Jesus. So he's, he's bringing his followers to the bullseye. And once the bullseye is accomplished... He sends them out. He moves them from the holy place out to the marketplace. He goes from Jerusalem to Judea and Samaria, and then to the ends of the earth. So Jesus's whole strategy of evangelism is bringing people to the cross, and once they're there at the cross, he sends them out. Do you guys want to be a part of that? Do you want to be a part of what God is doing to bring you to the cross, but then send you out and not staying in the holy place, but going out to the marketplace? You see, that's where God wants us to be. Let me ask you a question. You know, all the miracles that happen in Acts, do you think that they happen in the, in the holy place or out here in the marketplace? It actually happened, all, all the miracles happen out in the marketplace, which means that God is interested in moving outside of the walls of the church as much as he is inside. Well, now I should say that all of the miracles happened except one. There was one miracle that happened in the holy place. That was when the people stole from God and God struck them dead. So, um, ushers, we're just going to go ahead and pass the buckets around uh, just to make sure that everyone is... Uh, no, I'm just joking. Um, But we're getting this, right? Flipping the script in evangelism means that evangelism is going out from the holy place to the marketplace. So I want to give you guys a strategy. I want to give you guys a game plan for sharing your faith at work. Uh, One that's not going to feel weird, but one that's going to feel natural. A couple months ago, I I ran into a friend uh, that I hadn't seen for a bit, and, uh, you know, I noticed that he, like, dropped a ton of weight. So I was like, dude, like, how did you lose all that weight? And he told me that he was doing one of those crazy shake diets. So you know what happened next? I started doing one of those crazy shake diets, uh, you know, because I was like, "Oh, well, I want to lose some weight too." Now, unfortunately, I'm still—I still have the before body, um, but I'm working on it. Uh, but you know, here's the thing: this is what happened. I noticed a difference in my friend, and I asked them about it. That's not weird. That's natural. That's how natural evangelism needs to feel. You notice a difference in someone, and someone asks you about it. You see, that's what we're talking about in terms of evangelism. So. You know, I want us to open up our Bibles right now to 1st Peter chapter 3 verses 15 and 16. 1st Peter chapter 3 verses 15 and 16. It's page 841 in your Bibles. Um, And I want to share with you what the Apostle Peter has to say about natural evangelism. 1 Peter 3, verses 15 through 16. It says, let's read the orange text together. Help me out here. It says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone who asks you to give the reason for the hope that you have. But do this with gentleness and respect. And then it goes on. It says, keeping a clear conscience so that those who speak maliciously against you, those who speak against you and your good behavior in Christ, may be ashamed of their slander. May be ashamed of their slander. See, Peter here is talking how how evangelism is simply answering people's questions that they have about your faith. That's all it is. You see, if, if I told you that evangelism was simply... People going up to you and asking you why you're different, I think you'd feel a lot more comfortable, a lot more confident in sharing about your faith, that that, that's all it is, people coming to you and saying, hey, there's something different about you. It would feel a lot more natural than eight-colored jelly beans, right, for sure. And so, today, what I want to show is that evangelism can be as natural and as easy as A, B, C. So we're going to share the ABCs of sharing your faith at work. So the first step in sharing our faith at work is, A, ask great questions. Ask great questions. So, actually, what I'm saying here is that the first step in you telling other people about your faith is actually you listening to them talk about them. So... You know, you got to ask great questions. Uh, it can't just be any old question. It's got to be actually a great question. Uh, there, there's this a story. This is a true story. In 2004, an American Airlines pilot named Roger Findiesen, He he's, on the, he's in the cockpit, and the plane is waking, waiting to take off. They're on the runway, and he gets on the PA system, and he asks all the Christians in the plane to raise their hands so that all the non-Christians on the plane could talk to them about their faith. This actually happened. And so what ended up happening was, you know, like, all it's just a little bit awkward because, you know, that's not a great question, and that's probably not the right time. The last thing you want to do, the last thing you want to hear when you're locked into a 400-ton metal tube is the pilot get on the PA system and said, do you believe you're going to heaven when you die? (laughs) Um, I'm going to raise my hand for something else. Like, I just get me off this plane, right? This is like, this actually happened. You see, that's not a great question. But when you ask great questions, great questions let you hear some stories. Great questions get you to understand where they're hurting in their lives. Great questions show people that you care for them and that you earn their trust as you ask them great questions. You know, every day when I walk my daughter to school, uh, you know, I mean, I, I walk her alongside all of the other parents who are walking their children. So, you know, you say hi and you greet the people that you know and things like that. Now, one of these days, i I, I saw that on Facebook, this parent uh, who I see every morning, uh, her mother passed away. And you know, a, you, so I offered my condolences. Uh, you know, but it was actually many months later when I saw her at drop-off that I, I, I asked her, I was like, you know, hey, how were your holidays? Because, you know, I recognized that this was the first holidays that she had since her mother passed away. So I was just like, you know, hey, how was your Christmas? And, you know, I could tell by the look on her face that she just really appreciated that I remembered. Um, that, you know, I took the time to actually hear from her how she's doing. You know, that's all it takes, right? I was trying to listen to her, and I wasn't being manipulative. Um, I, you know, I was just being natural, and I was just genuinely caring for her. And so you recognize that, that my great question was simply, hey, how you doing? Like, how was your Christmas? That's all it takes. A well-timed question, a great question, because, you know, recognizing for us, we're all around our jobs. You're surrounded by people who are hurting. You're surrounded by people. You're working with people who, who are feeling pain in their lives. Maybe they're going through a divorce, or maybe they're, you know, their kids are struggling through addictions, or maybe you know, they're, just, they're going through hurts in their lives, and they're waiting for someone to want to listen to them. Will you be the person to ask them some great questions? Because God has given you that opportunity every single day that you go to work. You want to be the person who listens to them, not talks at them. So your great question may be, hey, how are things going? You know, you guys just had a kid. Are you guys getting sleep? Or, you know, hey, what's going on with your son? Like I heard, you know, there's some medical issues there. You know, all those things can be great questions for people to understand that you actually care about them. As our passage in 1 Peter talks about, it says, always be prepared to give an answer to everyone. But look what it says. It says, but do this with what? Gentleness and respect. You do this with gentleness and respect. So you listen before you answer. And when you answer, you do it with gentleness and respect. You see, this is all what we're talking about. I you want know, to tell you about this guy, Kim. Kim is a guy who approaches his job every single day with gentleness and respect. And you'll be able to see this as he talks with his coworkers, asks them great questions, and really wants to listen to their story. <music>
4: I was on the staff of a church here in Fort Worth, but God gave me an incredible opportunity to come and find the marketplace as a mission field, which I believed would give me opportunity to bring more people to Christ, be in contact daily with unbelievers, something that I did not always have the opportunity to do as being on the staff of a church. I uh, work here now as the director of, of purchasing, for Samsung corporation we make three ring binders and other office accessories
5: he got together with some people and we got permission to start a bible study that was entirely voluntary and it made um, a lot of people aware of christ in the workplace and what he does in your life
4: another one of my co-workers came up with the idea to buy a two-piece chicken dinner for all who would come to our lunchtime Bible study so that they would have something to eat and not have to skip lunch. And as a result, some people began to ask spiritual questions.
6: I had a tragedy in my family where I lost my son and my mother. Kim came out and spoke with me about the counseling that his church offers. So I went to the counseling and he also went with me. I sit in the counseling and listen to the families tell their story. Kim brought church back to me and it helped me a lot.
4: Another co-worker of mine who worked in the shipping department and had some severe health problems including uh, his teeth were rotting. We were able to raise money uh, through our, our Bible study and, and made, uh, make arrangements for him to go to a dental college where they extracted his teeth, uh, provided uh, dingers for him. And through that act of kindness, uh, we were able to begin studying with him, led him to Christ.
3: I work in the automation uh, department. wound up having to have surgery uh, on my brain they told me if I didn't um, have the surgery that I would, uh, maybe in five or six years, I could, I could be paralyzed. And, and Kim came to visit me in the hospital. You know, Kim, he helped me get through the process of, of believing in, in God.
4: One of the things that I think is so important for me is the necessity for me to be bold in my faith it would be very easy to come into work and not live out Christ. But I know that I would regret that. I I know that I would realize someday that I missed opportunities that Jesus gave to me that I didn't take uh, advantage of. I, I tried to practice the the method of Jesus of loving people into the kingdom and I found that when you approach people in that way they become very responsive to to the God who they need in their heart and life as well.
2: Isn't that cool? Isn't that powerful? Seeing how Kim cares for his coworkers, he listens to them, hears their story. You see, did you notice the part where Kim said that he was he used to be a pastor, but then he quit his job as a pastor and went to work in the secular job market? He was working in God's house, and now he's working in a warehouse. See, we, we call that the reverse commute, right? And so he was working in the holy place, but God has called him out to the marketplace. This is where he wants to do the ministry of a chaplain, right? He's essentially working as a chaplain in his warehouse. Where has God called you on a Monday morning to be a chaplain? in your office, in your company, or maybe it's in your home. But there are people all around you every single day that you can be a chaplain to, that you can care for them and listen to their stories and ask them great questions. Or how about that woman uh, who's, who lost her son and her mother? Did you hear what she said about Kim? Kim actually went with her to the counseling session, didn't just tell her about it, but actually took her with himself. And, you know, the thing that she said was, Kim brought church to me. You see, that's what moving from the holy place to the marketplace, that's what that means. It means bringing church out here to the people in the marketplace. That's what you guys can do, to bring church to the people wherever you are at in your work. So we've established that we've got to start by asking great questions. We've got to ask great questions. But what we'll find is that as we ask great questions, people will then begin to ask us some questions. This is asking us for the reason that we have the hope, like it says in 1 Peter. But when that happens, it's now your turn. Now it's time to brag on Jesus. Okay, we're going to brag on Jesus. Now, I understand that some of you who are 40 and up, uh, you guys don't know what bragging on something means. I'm 39, so me and the kids, we get it, right? Um, So listen, (laughs) bragging on something simply just means that you're telling someone how great you think something is. Right, all of my kids' friends, you know, all they're doing nowadays is they're just bragging on Megan Trainor, this new pop singer. You guys know who Megan Trainor is, um, now maybe not, maybe you don't know who she is, but I do know that you know that I'm all about that bass, about that bass. Oh yeah, no treble, exactly. Yeah, all the kids are like, I get it. Um, but listen, that's all bragging is something. Right, they're just bragging on her because they're saying like, you know, we love her, we think she's my bay, you know, like she's great. Um, they're just bragging on her. <laughs> I'm 39. That's okay. Um, They're just bragging on her because they think she's awesome. They think she's the next best thing. That's all it is. You're just telling someone how great you think something is. That's the natural next part of Sharing our faith at work, which is just you brag on Jesus. You tell people that that's what you know you think is so great. My wife uh, works as a nurse, and one of the doctors that she used to work for uh, was a multiple sclerosis doctor in New York City. Now this guy had a practice, and it was just a really strong practice. You know, had so many clients that were coming, and he would take such great care of each patient that he saw. That what ended up happening is that they would go out and they would tell all their friends, and they would tell all their friends and anybody that they knew that they would go, you know, and see this doctor. You got to see this doctor. You got to see this doctor. so great, and people would go and refer to uh, their friends this doctor, and he would just get referral after referral because they recognized that they would get some care there that they wouldn't get elsewhere. They were just bragging on this doctor. Well, you know what? When you're bragging on a doctor, it's not like people are going to accuse you of being narrow-minded or judgmental or, you know, well, that what makes you a medical professional? No, no, you're just telling someone, this guy's a really good doctor, and so, like, just bragging on an MS doc, that's all it is, And so we can see this same sort of natural evangelism in the New Testament with some of the earliest disciples. In John chapter 1, we see the disciple Philip. And listen how Philip, once he encounters Christ, what he does. It says, Philip found Nathanael and told him, we have found out the one Moses wrote about in the law and about whom the prophets also wrote, Jesus of Nazareth, the son of Joseph. Now, Nathanael responds to him. He's just like, Nazareth? What good can come out of Nazareth, right? And so, listen, Nathaniel's acting a little bit skeptical. Anybody know anybody skeptical of Christianity at work? Maybe one, two, yeah, a a bunch of us, right? We all know people that are a little bit skeptical of Christianity at work. But look at how Philip answers the skeptical person. There says three words. Let's all say this together. He says, burn in hell. Wait, no, 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 that's not what he says. He just says, come and see. Come and see. Just, just hey, find out for yourself. I just, I just want you to come and see what, what this guy has done in my life. That's it. That's all he's saying. And so there's nothing awkward. There's nothing judgmental. There's not this, you know, we're not condemning people. It's a lot more natural that you just say, come and see. You don't have to give out eight colored jelly beans. You're just asking people to just come and see what God has done in your life. That MS doctor that I talked about that my wife works for. Um, Well, actually, one thing is that he's actually a really devout Muslim. And Teresa's one of two nurses on his staff uh, that were devout Christians. And um, so, you know, he's watching these nurses. He's watching how they go about their business and how they, you know, talk about their faith and how they handle difficult situations. And one of the days, after many years of Teresa working there, uh, he goes up to her and he says to Teresa, he's like, hey, I just want to say, like, I really appreciate you and your faith and how committed you are to your faith in Christianity. Because, you know, you don't put it in our faces. You don't, you know, you're not doing those things that make it a little bit awkward and weird, but you actually just, you let your, your actions, speak for you. You let your actions speak for your faith. You see, by her being excellent at her job, that opened the door for him to be able to ask her a question, and that opened the door for her to be able to share about her faith, to brag on Jesus. In the book of Mark in the New Testament, Jesus heals a demon-possessed man. Now, he, the, naturally, this demon-possessed man says, well, you know, Jesus, I just want to be wherever you are. I just want to follow you from holy place to holy place. So I'm just going to go wherever you go. And look at what it says in Mark chapter 5, verse 19. This is what Jesus says to him. He says, go home to your own people and what? Tell them how much the Lord has done for you and how he has had mercy on you. And then it says, so the man went away and began to tell in the Decapolis how much Jesus had done for him, and all the people were amazed. You see, it's actually very simple what happened. Jesus changed someone, and then he said to him, now go tell people. Jesus changed someone, and then he says, now just go tell people what happened. It's that natural. It's that simple. And did you catch how the people responded? It it, They said that they were amazed. These people were amazed to see this change because it was undeniable. They could see in the person the change that had happened. So my question for all of you is where has God done an undeniable change in your life? Where has God changed you so undeniably that nobody else could deny it? That they would look at you and say, hey, there's something different about you. What has Christ done for you? I'm not saying what has Christ done for you. I know that Christ has died on a cross for your sins. I, I get that. What I'm asking is, how has what Christ has done for you changed you? Where is the area in your life that it's changed you? Maybe God has changed your marriage. Maybe he's given you the opportunity and the power and the strength to forgive your spouse because you have received grace and forgiveness from the Lord. Maybe he's given you the strength to be able to forgive someone that's hurt you many years ago, or maybe he's provided for you a new job and a new career, a new lease on life. Wherever it is in your workplace, Jesus is saying to you, look, I've changed you. Now just go and tell people what the Lord has done for you. That's all it is. That's what we're telling people when we brag on Jesus. If your coworkers only knew God from what you said about him at work, what would their God look like? What, would their God even exist? Or would they know a God who is in the business of changing people's lives, who changes marriages, who changes careers, who changes people's outlook on life? Whatever it is, we have opportunities to be able to share with people what God has done in our lives. I wanna tell you about Kelly. Kelly is a personal trainer and this is actually how she approaches her job every single day. She goes in to work and she asks God, God, what is a way that I can tell people about what you've done in my life?
5: I'm a clinical exercise physiologist. My heart was always to help people be healthy from the very beginning. And I think that's just something that God put in me. I didn't realize that it was my ministry. It was just my passion. My attitude towards work has completely changed since I've come to have a personal relationship with the Lord. There was very little joy. It was striving, it was heavy, it was dark, and I wasn't really happy. I didn't have the peace and the light and the love to go along with the work. I had passion for what I was doing because in my heart I really wanted to help people, but the truth was I was exhausted and I wasn't having very much fun at all and the fruit wasn't there. So now it's completely different. It's just there's so much joy and light and peace and I can bring that to other people and it's so easy to see now that I'm on the other side of that. One of the things that I do every morning before my clients come in is I spend time with the Lord, whether it's in the Word or watching a preacher on TV as I'm exercising. So I'm preparing for my clients to come in and I never know what they're gonna come in with, whether they're talking about a relationship issue, a parenting issue, a money issue. I just ask the Lord to give me the words that they need to hear today. So they come in for an exercise session, but they leave with so much more. I have been so surprised at how pleasantly responsive people have been, and I'll get people in the audience saying, amen, and so it's really good to see that in the secular world, especially the personal training and, and health and fitness and wellness industry that is so you know self-help connected that people realize, you know what? What I'm doing might not exactly be working. I might not have all the answers. I think there's more. I think there's something better. What I'm doing isn't working so well. So they're open, which has really been wonderful. I don't want there to be a single interaction with a client where, in a non-sensational way, I'm able to share with them some promise for them that the Lord has for them. So I don't want to come across as weird or religious or sensational in any way. But you can do it in a really tender way that ultimately is going to point back to a connection with Jesus so that they can leave with hope. And that's how I want everyone who comes into contact with me to feel that somehow I've helped them in some way, whether it was with a word, giving them a book, helping them make a connection, um, helping them feel better physically by getting rid of physical pain, feeling better about themselves. So I'm using the talents that the Lord gave me to help people with their health to also reach into helping them with their spirit and their soul.
2: Kelly took to heart this idea of bragging on Jesus. She, She says she wants to leave each client with hope. Did you catch that? Well, this is the hope that, that it talks about in 1 Peter 3, right? It says to give the reason for the hope that you have. And so that's all she's doing. She's just telling people the reason why she has hope. She's bragging on Jesus. She's, she's telling people essentially, hey, I just want you to come and see what God has done in my life. But both of these examples that we've talked about, Kim and Kelly, really when, you know, when we get down to it, really the, what we're talking about is that they have a platform to be able to speak to people because they care for their coworkers. They genuinely care for their coworkers. And that brings us to our third and final step in the ABCs of sharing our faith. <clears throat> sharing our faith. A stands for ask great questions. B stands for brag on Jesus. And letter C comes to care before you share. Care before you share. That's all we're talking about here. Now, you guys understand that before you show that you can tell people what they want to know, what they need to know, they need to know that you actually care for them. You guys have heard the old adage that says, people don't care how much you know until they know how much you care. Exactly. People won't want to listen to you unless they know that you actually care about them. I recently heard this story about a young grad who was working on Madison Avenue at an advertising firm. And Now, was a young grad, she was very passionate about her job, wanted to impress people, but she ended up making a mistake that cost the company the tune of $25,000. Now, she's probably thinking she's going to lose her job, and, but what ended up happening was the boss went to the board and said, Listen, I know she's young, and I know she made this mistake, but you know, put this one on me. So whatever consequences would have fallen upon her, put them on me. And this young grad went into the boss's office hearing what he had done and so was like perplexed, was like, why, why would you stick your neck out for me? I mean, you could have easily just fired me and replaced me, but, but you took one for me. Like, why would you do that? And the boss took that as an opportunity to share, because he said, you know what, Jesus Christ took a sacrifice for me even though I didn't deserve it. So that inspires me and challenges me to take a sacrifice for someone else, even when they don't deserve it. You see, he has shown her that he cared for her, and that gave him the platform to share. Now, what would have happened if he just started out and just said, hey, I just want to tell you about Jesus' sacrifice for me. And so, you know, like she wouldn't want to hear it. But once he showed her that he cared, oh, man, I'm all ears. I want to hear what, what would make you different that would make you want to do something like that because you care for me. You have my attention. You see, when we care for people, we're showing that we can care for them and we'll show them that they want to actually find out more about this. Peter puts it this way in 1 Peter 2. It says, Live such good lives among the Gentiles that though they accuse you of doing wrong, they may see your good deeds and glorify God on the day he visits us. Live such a good life that they can't deny that you're different. Be so you know, godly in your living. Be so righteous in your living. Be so good at what you do. Be so sacrificial that people will look at you and say, hey, w- what's different about you? What do you understand that I don't? They will come to you and they will want to hear from you. This is how Sandy approaches his job as an air traffic controller. Sandy was faced with a co-worker who was downright hostile against God and religion. And listen to how Sandy responded. Here
6: they go. I have worked as an air traffic controller at one of the world's busiest airports. And in the lunchroom one day, uh, there was a group of veteran controllers sitting at another table who were pretty crude. And then one of them said he grew up in a Christian home where his parents forced him to go to church and he hated it and never wanted to go back and he mentioned the name of the church. And when he did, it was like a dagger in my heart to think, That's the kind of church I go to. Because of that name being there, it caused me to really uh, feel a lot of pain. But I didn't say anything. I waited until everybody left the room except he and I. And as we were washing our dishes at the sink, I said, Dennis, I didn't know that you went to church. And he turned to me and shook his fist in my face and said, don't you ever talk to me about God, religion, or anything like that. I have to work with you. So I didn't but I tried to offer him the same dignity and respect that I would offer anybody. I really did a lot of self-questioning, I guess. You know, am I going about this wrong? For what reason would someone respond that way when it was a rather innocent question? As I thought through the process, I went everything from I'm discouraged and and don't want to offer up those kind of questions, but it also caused me to go back and take a look at, at why would he respond that way? I did ask some of my brothers to help me pray for this guy. I'm kind of out of options. I don't know what it's going to take. About eight years later, I was working at a Radar Scope one day, and he walked up and then asked me, what time does church start on Sunday? And I told him. And Dennis showed up. He brought his wife. After a few times of attending and going to lunch with my wife and I, he came to me and he said, Sandy, I know the way that I've been living has been wrong, and I need to correct that but my wife has never heard about Jesus Christ or any story from the Bible. Would you study with her? And my wife, Cindy, and I sat down and we studied with with Dennis and Sharon, and she became a Christian after that study, and I was so happy. And a few years later, I was working in Seattle, Washington, and he called me and he said, Sandy, I'm selling everything that I have, and Sharon and I are gonna go off to a Bible training school and then we're going to Cambodia to be missionaries. And I was just shocked at that transformation. I said, Dennis, you've come a long way from shaking your fist in my face. And that transformation has been priceless to watch the change in that individual. I know Dennis had to hear me telling stories about mission trips. I use those as talking points to get conversations started with people. And then you end up with the follow-up questions where people will say, why did you take your vacation time and go do that? and it gives you an opportunity to talk about what Christ means to you. I've I've often thought of myself as being a missionary, but a vocational missionary, kind of like Paul made tents. So I think about myself at at the workplace as being God's representative there. When I get discouraged at work, and I think that maybe nobody's watching, nobody's paying attention, maybe my witness is not effective, um, rather than thinking about moving on, I just need to think about living a Christ-like life, because somebody's watching me all the time.
2: It's powerful. To think that Sandy was there, and he had earned the right to be heard by Dennis because he responded with gentleness and with respect. To think that that moment in the lunchroom where he's shaking, you know, Dennis is shaking his hand in Sandy's face, and the fact that he, he, he responded with respect. That, that many years later, that man ended up being a missionary in Cambodia, you see, you guys, you don't know the sort of, of, of seed that is going to be planted that God may use in a remote region of the world. God is going to take what we do and use it in people's lives. And you notice that it said eight years later, right? Dennis took eight years to be able to respond to Sandy. That's eight years of, of asking great questions. That's eight years of bragging on Jesus. And that's eight years of caring for him. And then he invited him to church. This is exactly the same thing that Paul talks about in the uh, New Testament in 1 Corinthians. It says, I planted the seed, but Apollos watered it, but God is the one who's been making it grow. You see, guys, evangelism is not a one-time event. Evangelism is a process. And so you may be the one who's planting the seed, but then someone eight years later is going to come by and harvest it. Or you may be the one who's watering the seed that someone has planted in their lives when they were young. Or you may be the one who just gets them at the right time when they are ripe to hear the word of God. They're ripe to hear from God because maybe they're going through disease or maybe they're going through depression or maybe they're going through the threat of divorce. But wherever you are along that spectrum, understand that whatever piece that you can do, whatever piece that you can do in your workplace, God is the one who's going to be able to make it grow. Guys, we're going to have this opportunity this week to be able to be participants in taking the message of God from the holy place to the marketplace. Next week, we're starting a brand new series uh, called Modern Love. Now, it's for everyone who is single or married or you're dating or divorced. It's really a relationship for everyone. But here is the cool part: next week, everyone who comes, uh, every single or every couple, every single person that you invite is going to get a copy of a free book. This is Pastor Tim's new free book, uh, and it's called "You Married the Wrong Person: The Relationship Secret Every Couple." Needs to know. This has been a great book. I read that this week, and it's really a refreshing and honest and refreshing read uh, to be able to hear about someone's take on marriage Uh, that's a little bit different and refreshing to be able to see. Uh, In fact, I asked Pastor Tim this week about why he wrote the book. So let's take a listen.
0: We decided to give the book away for free because so many people I talk to are struggling when it comes to relationships. I talk to a lot of single friends who feel frustrated by their quest for the perfect partner. But the good news is I believe compatibility is wildly overrated. And God may have somebody for them hiding right in plain sight, but they just need eyes to see that. Likewise I talk to a lot of married couples who live in survival mode. They may have a couple of kids and they're doing all they can to juggle their jobs, their home life, school, and sports. And apart from like the periodic date night, the romance has cooled. And The question I want to answer is how can they find passion amidst the pressures of everyday life? But I also wrote the book for those who have gone through divorce or are even considering it. I believe a fresh start with God is always possible. I really hope the book will help heal whatever hurts they have and inspire them to take a, a fresh look at what makes a healthy relationship. So whether folks are single, married, or single again, you married the wrong person is for them. It's free and we're giving it away to everybody at Liquid Church.
2: Isn't that exciting? I mean, this is going to be a relevant series for everyone. Uh, And I'm sure that there are people here that know someone at their work who can use a relationship series. Maybe it's the guy who sits across from you that just started dating again. It's kind of, you know, navigating new waters. You know, maybe it's the woman who you eat lunch with whose, you know, relationship with her son is really putting a strain on their marriage. You see, this is a relationship series that for anyone um, to be able to come and learn in a non-threatening way, in a relevant way, to be able to learn about modern love. Uh, so what we're going to do, here's what we're going to do. Ushers at all our campuses, go ahead and hand out these invite cards. We're going to give you guys invite cards to the Modern Love series next week. Go ahead and, and pass them down. You're going to get a packet of three cards, and what you want to do is just take that packet and pass it down. Go ahead. Uh, start in the back. Yep, yeah, right. Go ahead. Uh, we're going to pass these along, and ushers are going to be giving you a packet. And what you're going to do, take these cards, and you're going to be giving them to people that you work with or people that you see around your neighborhood. Now, here's the challenge for you. Who are you going to invite to the Modern Love series next Sunday? Because you know what? There are some of you who have coworkers who are thinking about getting married. And there are others of you that have coworkers that are thinking about getting divorced. But either way, this is the relationship series for them. And so maybe it's someone in your office or in your car dealership, or maybe it's someone at your gym. Maybe it doesn't have to be someone you work out work with. Maybe it's someone that you work out with. Maybe it's a personal trainer or the guy that, you know, you run next to or, you know, you play basketball with. But whoever it is, who are the people that you will invite to church next week? Here are the three that I'm going to be inviting. My first invite is going to go to that woman that I talked about, whose mother recently passed away, and who left the door open for me to be able to invite her to something like this relationship series. My second invite is going to our our neighbor, uh, a neighbor that we have a good relationship we've been investing in. Now, we haven't really had a conversation about church, uh, but, you know, it's not going to be weird if they say no, because we have enough invested in that friendship that it's not going to be weird uh, and awkward if they say no. And my third invite is going to go talk to this woman uh, that I, you know, I speak with a lot uh, with, and you know, she definitely feels like she married the wrong person. She's really struggling with her husband, so I'm really praying that my wife Teresa comes next week. Um, uh, but why don't we do this uh, as we close? Why don't we all stand? And let me pray for you guys. Uh, So let's get to our feet. Uh, All our campuses, we're going to pray. And what I want to do is I want to pray for all of you. I want to pray for all of you as you guys go from this holy place out to the marketplace with the message of the gospel. And I want to pray for the people that will be getting these three invite cards that you have in your hands. I want to pray for you and pray for them. And understanding that whether you're the one planting the seed or you're the one watering the seed, understanding that God is the one who's going to make it grow. Let's pray. Father, we thank you, Lord, for this day that you've given to us, this message of hope, this message of confidence that we have to go out into the marketplace, to take our worship from in here to out there on Monday. God, I pray that we would go as a people that are on fire, Lord God, excited to be able to share the message that you have done in our lives. God, you are saying to us, I've changed you. Now go tell people about that change. So, Lord, I pray that we would just be commissioned from here to go, Lord God, and tell our coworkers, whether it's in the office or in the gym or at home, we would go and we would tell people about the work that you have done in our lives. So, God, would you take us from this holy place out to the marketplace to bring the message to your people? We thank you. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.